saw Sarah. Sarah. Um, Sarah's been... Yeah, go on then. Give her a big... Yeah. As you know, we, we've been bringing people, more people forward by uh, training through TruthQuest. Um, some of you... Uh, Sarah had spoken before that and, uh, and over the years, but she hadn't spoken for quite a while and it's been a, a real... I, th I think it's been a real honour and privilege to to be part of that, to, to lead that course, but also to see the way those on that course have, have developed and grown, and it's been just absolutely fantastic. Um, so, yeah, Sarah. Sarah's going to talk about faith towards God. I am. Okay, away you go. Good morning. Thank you. Um, now, Mark says I've done this before, but I've never done it here. I did it once in a, a little church called Zion Baptist in the middle of Cambridge on an evening service um, and found that I very quickly ran out of material. <laughs> I'm hoping that that won't, that won't be the case today because I've practiced this. We've done it at TruthQuest. Um, and then the other day, having kind of rejigged my notes a little bit, I went and practiced it in that, our spare room and preached to the wall. And it was unmoved. Um, <laughs> Um, is this mic all right? Because it feels a bit boomy. Okay. Um, so I want to thank you. If, if you knew that I was preaching this morning and you've come anyway, thank you. Because um, Nicola, the lovely Nicola, she's booked a holiday when she found out. Um, so <laughs> but so Mark asked me to share this message, uh, Faith Towards God, which was the second um, installment that we did in TruthQuest. Um, I've done a little slideshow with my notes on it up on the side there mostly because when I've noticed that when they're streaming online when you've got a slideshow they put that big and you just little um, <laughs> that would be quite good so TruthQuest as Mark said is a um, small little group of us we are going over the foundational principles of Christianity and trying to study them with a view to knowing how to teach them um, and now Mark is starting to turn us loose. We've had Lorraine, who was brilliant, and she actually preached on the same topic that I'm doing, but it's really it's been fascinating how a group of five of us can all come back with the same topic from a different angle, and we can all learn different things from each other like that. That's been such an interesting thing time after time. So let's pull up our verse that we're, we're using today. It's at the beginning of the passage that we've been working through. It's Hebrews 6, verse 1. It says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Now, the passage goes on a little bit after that, but that's where we're um, stopping today because we're looking at faith towards God. So I think everybody has faith. Whether you kind of recognize it or not, you have faith in something or someone. Um, I don't think it's possible for humans to have no faith in anything, really. Um, and I, so I did what you're meant to do. I looked it up in the dictionary. And that tells me that confidence or trust in a person or thing, and it says it's belief that's not based on truth. But I wanted to just point out that a lack of proof is not the same as a lack of evidence. And I think it's really important to keep that in mind, that the faith that we have is based on evidence. 
yeah? So, obviously, foundation, faith towards God is a foundational teaching of Christianity. I mean, that's got to be pretty obvious to us, isn't it? I don't really understand how you can have a Christian faith without faith towards God. Um, but what we want to know is, what is faith? What does it look like? How do we get it? How do we grow in it? Um, you know, we're Faith Life Church. We're interested in faith, yeah? And we want, to, we want to be growing continually in our faith. So we want to know what that looks like and how we do it. I think in this verse, there's a really logical progression going on here. Now, I like logic. And hopefully, if, if you hear a bit more of me doing these sorts of things, then um, it will come across fairly logically put together because that's kind of how my brain works. Um, but I think there's a logical progression here. You've got, um, first of all, you have to repent from dead works. Then you have to put faith. God yeah um, when we did the the dead works um, session it was it was quite funny because uh, we all sort of went off our separate ways going right repentance from dead works let's look into this and we've got this little whatsapp group and we started getting messages to each other going it's just the whole bible really isn't it <laughs> but what we looked at was that dead works is us trying to earn our own salvation it's us trying to get out of the mess that we find ourselves in trying to deal with sin on our own and one of the things that I did as part of um, the bit that I put together was I looked into what do other religions do about the concept of sin how do they deal with trying to dig ourselves out of this hole making ourselves good enough for God and pretty much everything else relies on us doing good things and trying to outweigh the bad things we've done with more good things. But what we know and what the Bible tells us is that because before Christ, our spirit is dead, it doesn't matter how much we do, everything we produce is still dead. And that's what dead works means. And at that point, when we're doing that, that's where our faith is. It's in ourselves. It's in our ability to somehow work our way towards God. And we have to come to this realisation that we could, that doesn't work. And once we've realised that and we've stopped putting our faith in ourselves, then we need somewhere to direct it. And so what this verse is telling us is that we redirect that towards God. He's the one that's going to get us out of the mess that we're in. He's the one that's dealt with sin for us. Um, and so on. Faith needs somewhere to go. It can't just sit and kind of exist in this little cloud. It needs somewhere to go. Now, the importance of faith cannot be understated. If we look at Hebrews 11.6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. It's impossible to please him without faith. That's really quite weighty, isn't it? Really quite a weighty thing. Um, the context of this verse, if we think about Hebrews 11, some of us might be aware it's, a, it's quite a famous passage which talks about all these sort of heroes of faith. Yeah, Hebrews was written to the Jewish people and what, what this chapter is trying to show them is that all of these people that they respect and they look up to, um, all their heroes from generations gone by, the reason that they found favour with God was due to their faith and that that's, that's the only reason. Now, if we look at the beginning verse, the first half of it, probably quite a lot of us know. 
Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's kind of one of our Christian pat answers, isn't it? People say, well, what's faith? That's what we give them. But how many of us know what verse 2 says? For by it, the men of old gained approval. Do we want approval from God? I think we do. This is the only way to do it. So it's really important that we're sitting up and paying attention. If we go back to looking at verse 6, it says, first, we have to believe that God exists. Yeah? It's pretty obvious that, isn't it? The atheist hasn't got a chance. Can't get started here. Um, but that on its own, that's not enough. It's not enough for us just to believe that God exists. In James chapter 2, it says, you believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. Now, that, to me, that's a real, like, oh, kind of verse. Because, you know, think about the poor person that's spent ages wrestling with, does God exist? Do I really believe that there is a God out there? And eventually they come to the conclusion, you know what, I think God does exist. And here comes James. Oh, you believe in God? Well done. So does the devil and his demons. <laughs> it seems like quite a um, harsh verse, but there's, I think James has got quite a lot of harsh verses in it, really. Um, but it's true. It's true. Believing that God exists, it's not enough. It's not what faith looks like. Just knowing that God is there, it's not, that's not what faith looks like. The next bit is important. It says that we have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, if we go into Matthew 7, we get Jesus kind of elaborating a bit on uh, what that means. So Matthew 7, from verse 7 onwards, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. For what person is there among you, when his son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he not give him a snake, will he? So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who's in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This is a lesson in the character of God. We have to know that he is a rewarder. We have to understand that when we go to him, he wants to reward us, not that he wants to punish us or something about that, something like that. You know, it's really important that we understand who God is in trying to go to him. It says he's a father. And he's a father that wants to give good gifts to his children when they come to him. We have to believe that he's good. So our faith towards God, or towards anything really, but our faith towards God is not made up in our belief of its existence, but in who we believe him to be. Now let's take a little sidestep for a minute. When I was preparing this, um, it was back in sort of February, March time, I think, um, I had a, an appointment um, at Addenbrooke's in the outpatients, and they were running a bit late. And I was sat there in this little stuffy waiting room, you know, all hiding behind our masks, melting. And I thought, what am I going to do with myself? So I thought, well, I'm going to sit and work on my notes for this. And I was sitting, sort of chewing on faith. What does faith mean? What does it look like? Um, this kind of thing. And I was thinking, well, the NHS, that's, that's something that a lot of people have quite a lot of faith in. They 
might not have, but you know, quite a lot of people do have a lot of faith in it. And when I was there that day, I felt I had the trust in the, the people there that they would look after me and they would sort me out. Um, but just knowing that the NHS exists, that's not enough to have trust in it. Knowing that Addenbrooke's is there, that doesn't mean I'm going to trust it or have any faith in it at all. I have to know something about it. I need to have some knowledge of it. And also what helps is a bit of experience of it. You know, I know quite a lot about Addenbrooke's. I know quite a lot about the, the quality of care there. Um, but beyond that, I've got quite a bit of experience. You know, our kids were in, in the neonatal unit for quite a long time. They saved their lives. And arguably, they probably saved mine as well on a couple of occasions in that. Um, so I thought, well, I'm, I'm persuaded to trust it based on the evidence I have of what it's like. And it's the same with God. I'm persuaded to trust him because of the evidence I have of what he's like, of knowing that he's the rewarder, that he's looking to give good gifts to his children. Our level of faith towards him will be proportional to our knowledge of who he is and what he's like. So the more that we know about him, the more we can have faith in what he's like. So, again, trying to do the good thing that you do when you're preparing a, a, a teaching, I went and looked up what the Greek word for faith was. And it's uh, this word called pistis, and it comes from another word, which I can't properly pronounce, but I think is paith or something like that. Um, and it speaks of faith that comes from being persuaded and having confidence in something or someone. It's not wishy-washy. It's not founded on nothing. You know, what we were saying earlier, faith is not just this kind of wishy-washy thing. And yeah, we have evidence that persuades us. Um, Christianity is a reasonable faith. And actually, the, the author of Hebrews spends quite a lot of time showing these Jews that their faith in Christ that they've developed, you know, this newfound faith they have, is reasonable. It stands up to looking through their old scriptures and seeing how Christ has fulfilled them. He talks to them about how Jesus is the perfect high priest. Why? Because when they know that, then they can trust in him to be their high priest. You know, that it doesn't mean as much to us because we're not under that kind of a, a tradition. But to them, that was a really big thing to really understand that Jesus was their perfect high priest and they could trust him. At a time when they were facing all this persecution and their temples were being pulled down and they couldn't go to them, then they knew that Christ was there as the perfect high priest and they could trust him instead. Now, I also looked up and got a bit excited about this word in, when we were looking at the original um, verse where it says faith towards God. I suddenly had this thought of towards God. Well, that's different, isn't it? Why is it not in God? And I got a little bit excited. I thought, why has it been translated like that? Um, is there some really special little revelation there? So I went and looked that up. And that is the word epi in Greek. And it is just a preposition. There's nothing special about it. Um, it's translated across the New Testament in various different ways, actually. It's translated as to, towards, up against, or into. But when I thought about that, I, I was disappointed at first, but when I sat and thought about that, I thought, well, actually, prepositions are connecting words. And all of those little phrases, they connect. They have this sense of directionality. Because faith needs to have a direction. We need to be sending it somewhere. You know, our faith is going towards God. It's leaning up against him. Let's jump back to James 
where we were earlier. And let's look at a bit more at the context of where, um, where that verse was. In James chapter 2, I've put them on slides. We've got from 17 onwards. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of his works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Now, at first glance, this feels a bit problematic because, you know, we've just been talking about how dead works don't get us towards God. You know, we can't work our way towards God. And now this is telling us that if we've got faith, but we don't do any works, then it actually it's our works that justify us. And you can get your head in a bit of a pickle with it, perhaps. But actually, I think the key is in the last verse where it says, just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Before we were saved, our spirit was dead, and anything that we tried to produce was dead. It was a dead work. But once we've become alive in Christ, and we have the Holy Spirit, then our real faith will produce works as an evidence that it exists. Um, you might have seen the Bible study I did um, on the Tuesday night ones. That's on YouTube. If this doesn't put you off, you can go and look that up. Um, the, we looked at what does the genuine work of the Holy Spirit look like? And we're looking at the fact that it produces fruit. And Jesus says, you'll know them by their fruits. Um, actually, genuine faith produces works. Um, I'm going to expand on that, I think, in a bit. I'm getting lost in my notes now. Um, if we think about when Jesus said that little phrase, you'll know them by their fruits. That's in Luke 6. Um, and right after he says that, he starts talking about the house on the rock. And if we look at how that's preceded, it says, Now why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I'll show you whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And When there was a flood, the river burst against that house, and yet it couldn't shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the river burst against it and immediately collapsed. The ruin of that house was great. There's another process in this. There's another logical progression, which I quite like. There's, we have to come to him. We hear his words. We act on them. And that's, that's what faith should look like. It's us letting his words sink into us, and that then will affect our actions. Now, as an example of what I mean by that, think about well, last week, 
Rob and I drove down to my parents in Kent. And before we went, we did not look at the traffic. And the M11 had been closed and we didn't realise that until we were on it. And that caused us quite a lot of problems. But if someone had come to me beforehand and said, by the way, the M11s are closed, I would have taken those words and I would have acted on them and gone a different way. Likewise, when I used to have an office job, um, I used to sit in this open plan office and every now and again, an email would pop up um, and it would just say, there's cake in the kitchen. And one by one, you'd see people start to get up. As they saw that email, they saw them words, they received them and they acted upon them and they went off to the kitchen to go and get cake. That's what faith looks like. We haven't seen that cake. We haven't got the proof that it's there yet. We just have this, you know, this word that tells us that that's available. So we go and get it. And that's how it is with God. We should be listening to his words and they should provoke action in us. And that, the result of that, is like building our house on the rock. It can withstand the storms of life. Now, interestingly, in the next chapter, we then have this really amazing statement from Jesus where he says, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. That's quite a statement, isn't it, coming from Jesus? Um, and it's about the, the Roman centurion who via his friends, makes this statement to Jesus. Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I'm not worthy for you to enter under my roof. For that reason, I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority with soldiers under myself. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. It says... Jesus was amazed at him. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus being amazed at you, at your level of faith? What a, what a thing. But why? What was so significant about it? What made his faith so great? What was it that amazed Jesus? I think it's because he understood who Jesus was so much more than these other people that were around him. He really understood who Jesus was and the authority that he carried. You know, he was a military man and he understood Jesus in terms that he not only outranked him, but he also outranked the affliction of his servant. He knew that Jesus had both the authority, but he also had the compassion to want to heal him. And that, I think, is so important. It was his knowledge of who Jesus was and his understanding of that that meant that he was able to have this great faith. And it provoked an action. He sent his friends to go and get Jesus, but actually to tell him, do you know, I know that you can just send a word and my servant will be healed. The more that we understand who God is, the more we understand the power that he has, his character, his love towards us, the greater our faith will be towards him. So how are we going to grow in faith? Because we all want to have more, right? Romans 10, sorry, Romans 10 tells us, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Further down that chapter, it says, how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Now, the context of this, because context is really important, um, it's about coming to salvation. 
But I think there's a principle here which continues on through our Christian journey and we can apply in this situation in that to have faith, we need to hear the word of God. If we haven't heard about him, how can we have any faith in him? What I said earlier, that our faith in God will be proportional to our knowledge of him. If we want to grow, we need to know more about who he is. We need to learn who Christ is. We need to know what he's done for us. Because if we don't, how could we ever believe him? How can we believe him for salvation if we don't understand that about him going to the cross for us? We can't. So we need to spend time studying the word. I'm not very good at studying. Um, and one of the things that TruthQuest has been brilliant for is, is forcing me to do it. Um, and I've really enjoyed that as a result. You know, it's not enough for us just to do like a little tick box exercise, just to say, well, I've read a couple of verses today, that's fine on my way. Or, you know, people use it as like a spiritual antidepressant. I'm feeling pretty low today. I need to find a verse that will pick me up. You know, I, I'm not talking about that kind of a thing, even though there may be some value in that. We need to understand more than that. We need to understand that these, these stories in the Old Testament, that's the same God that we serve. That's the same God that we're trusting. The same God that parted the sea, that's the same God that we're trusting in whatever situation we are in. And the more that we understand about what he's done before, about who he is like, and it's just natural that our faith in him will grow. Um, another perhaps unpopular statement is worship songs are not enough for us to form our theology. And I think there's a, a danger that we, we can take some of what's said in different songs and that becomes almost like our Bible verse, but it's, it might not come from the Bible. And so we need to get ourselves this foundation of knowing what the Bible actually says so that we can spot things when they're not quite right, but also just to really ground ourselves in what God has said. But equally, we're not just there to gather information. We have the immense privilege of having a direct relationship with God and being able to experience him. We can experience him. Thank you. Thanks to the Holy Spirit in us, we can experience him through his word. We can experience him through our prayer times and through our worship times. And experiences are wonderful because they, I think quite often, they speak the loudest in our heart when it comes to faith. They can speak really loudly. Um, but they're at their strongest and most reliable when they're on top of a foundation of biblical knowledge. Um, I think it's dangerous to just try and use experience on its own um, and not know how that squares up with the word of God. I heard it said um, some years ago, if you have all word and no spirit, then you dry up. If you have all spirit and no words, then you blow up. But if you've got both the word and the spirit working together, then you grow up. That's not mine. <laughs> I nick that. <laughs> so what, what about if we're facing something now and our faith feels a bit wobbly? Maybe something that is in front of us that it feels like it's beyond what we're equipped for. You know, it's great in the quieter times to be trying to build our foundations in Christ. And that's brilliant for when, when storms come. But what if we're facing something now and we think, gosh, I don't think my foundation's quite, quite there. You know, I'm, I'm a bit worried about this. Well... I was looking at Moses when he was at the burning bush in Exodus 3. You know, and I don't think that was what he was expecting that day um, to come across the burning bush. I think that probably took him by surprise. And God tells, to, tells him to go to Pharaoh 
and rescue the children of Israel from captivity. So what was Moses' response? He said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? His first thought is, Who am I? This is too big for me. And actually, I was thinking about that when I was sat on the drums and I have to come up here and try and teach people that have been Christians longer than I've been alive. Who am I to try and do that? It feels too big for me. So what does God say? Does he come along and say, don't worry, I love you. You're my child, I believe in you. I think you're really strong. You've got this. No. These might be the sort of things that we're used to hearing to try and encourage us. We might use them ourselves to encourage other people. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong in that. But what God says to him is, I will certainly be with you. God tells him, you're looking in the wrong place. Moses says, who am I? And God says, it doesn't matter who you are, it matters who I am. And it matters that I'm going with you. Moses still needs more at that point. He's still a bit wobbly. And so what God does is he tells him who he is. He says, I am who I am. He tells him, I'm the great I am. That's who's going with you. If we look at what God says to Joshua, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Does it matter who Joshua was? Was that what he was meant to base his faith on? No. It came from knowing who was going with him and what that person was like. Knowing who God is. And the more we understand that, the more comforting that becomes. The more revelation we get of who he is, the more our faith is strong. And knowing that he is with us with whatever we're facing. You know, it says quite often that David strengthened himself in the Lord. And it's a funny phrase. Think, well, how do you do that? Well, what does it mean to strengthen yourself in the Lord? But when you look at his Psalms that he wrote, there's quite a pattern that goes through a lot of them where he'll pour out his problems to God and then he'll switch his attention onto God and what he's like and the fact that he is with him. I think it sets a really good pattern for us to follow. You know, I, I don't think we have to ignore the problems that we have. I think we have to take them to God and say, look, this is what I am facing. But you're amazing. You're my father. You are strong. You are capable and you are with me. The great I am is with you. And as it says in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, our feelings don't really enter into it. Because faith is not a feeling. Faith is trusting God because we know who he is. We know what he's like. And we know that he's both with us and he's for us. So just to finish, I've got a little final kind of challenge just for you to kind of ask yourself um, as you go from here. Um, and that's how would you rate your knowledge of who God is? Would you say it's greater than a year ago? Have you kind of grown in it since lockdown started? Um, is it greater than five years ago? And what are you currently doing to make sure that in a year or in five years' time you've moved on from where you are now? Remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And how can we believe in him if we haven't heard about him?
So I encourage us all to try and get stuck into really learning more and more about who this God is that we serve and that goes with us. Amen. I couldn't pray. Thought I was done. I can pray. <laughs> Thank you, God, for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to really treasure your word, to really see just how incredibly blessed we are to have your word in the language that we speak, in translations that we can understand. Help us to treasure it, Lord, as much as we treasure some of the experiences we have with you. And help us to, to know how to go forward from here in order to just keep moving forward in our relationship with you, in learning more about who you are, your vast, vast love, not just for us, but for the people out there pray you would really put that on our hearts and that you would inspire us as we go forward from here today to keep moving on in that and that you would keep all of us safe healthy and happy this week amen brilliant really good word eh simple faith building and uh deeply grounded in the word and that's it's so important you know that you, even though you know you can you can flow with the spirit but still have the bedrock of the word underneath the flow that's that's the really important thing and so you know we, we want to press it keep pressing into that you know Sarah said we call faith life for a reason which is we we have faith towards God and we want to trust him for the miraculous and lives changed souls saved bodies healed, oppressed delivered, people set free and uh, you know change lives change lives so that's what we keep pressing in for and we we ground it in the word and we flow in the spirit that's what we do and we trust God for the rest. Amen? Amen. So um, yeah great morning people healed Good word. Great worship. Thank you, worship team. It's so good to have a, a bigger worship team again. And so uh, we just want to bless everybody. I'm just going to pray for people and uh, then we'll just look forward to the weekend. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are a God who not only calls us to uh, believe you exist, but a God who calls us to put our faith and our trust in you because you are with us. And as we go out into this week ahead, Lord, we thank you that you have promised that you are with us always to the end of the age. In Jesus' name, amen. So have a great week, Faith Life. Uh, put your trust in God. Expect every day a miracle because he's a God who does miracles. Amen.